Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Well, I am super excited for today. I'm very excited for today for a lot of reasons. Welcome, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm Dr. Pat, and I'm here with my main man, Mr. Benny, but I got a couple of other main men here with me today, too, Benny. Yeah, you do. You got a full boat here. I got it. <laughs> I got them. Men, manly men. I got a full boat of it. Yep, <laughs> that's what we're doing. Uh, because you know what? It, it, takes, it takes a village, really, to save the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so today I get to talk to Julian Hyman and Steve Hyman, and we're going to be talking about fabulous book, You Can Save Our World. What I love about this is I get, Benny, across my desks. You can only imagine how many books, right? Hundreds. And you get them in the studio as well. Hundreds. Hundreds. <laughs> and one of the things that I love is when I get a book that talks about inviting all of us, humanity, to come into the game and look at what's possible for each and every one of us to do. And then I read a book that's about how we can do these things and give people the, the choices that they have to make those changes. That what really excites me. Um, the other thing that is so cool about this is all y'all out there, get out and vote. Vote. V-O-T-E. That's right. Today is the day. Make it work. Make it vote. Do your work. If you haven't voted, you got time. Not as much time as uh, as the my friends on the East Coast, because the day is kind of going by. But get out and vote. A few years ago, do you remember the campaign we did, which was I Pledge to Vote? That was a campaign that had very little to do with asking you, how you were going to vote, it had more to do with your commitment to participate. So does this show. This is about how you, how I, how Benny can all of us, how we can save our world. Let me tell you about Julian, retired veteran, businessman, traveled the world many times over. Um, He is seasoned in his experience, but wise in his soul. Uh, looking at the future, looking at the human race. And he believes, as so many other scientists and and futurists do, that our planet is on the brink of destruction. Now, you all have heard me talk about this from my area of expertise, from a behavioral and cognitive perspective. I believe that we, too, are on the edge. We're on the edge. We're on the edge of something. And the thing that today's show is about When you step off the edge, do you want to be on the edge of destruction or do you want to be on the edge of instruction? And that means 
laying out a game plan for yourself, your family, your children, your friends that instructs us all to step forward with a little perspiration and a lot of inspiration. Steve is here today as well. And Steve is going to be chiming in. And we are taking calls today. Why? I want to know from you all. Well, you could tell me if you voted or not, but that's like a personal thing. I want to know what is important to you and to what length would you go to save our world? Julian, Steve, great to have you here. Very Thank nice you for to having be me. here. Yep. I could go into a whole long monologue with you about why today, tomorrow, and the next day are the end of a huge astrological year where one of the most expansive energies or signs in astrology was locked into the energy planet of Mars the planet of war and confrontation. And I could go into a big monologue about why in three days that's all going to change. And for those people that believe in those energies, as thousands and thousands of years ago believed in the stars and following them, that may have very little to do today with each of us and our commitment to changing the world. And I want to ask this question of all of you, of both of you, Julian, you first, Steve, you next. Everything you've done in your life, Julian, everything, all the places you travel, everything. I'd love to know, especially around this, what are some of the challenges and obstacles? What did you have to overcome in your lifetime to step out and be the spokesperson about saving uh-huh. the world? All right. Uh, one of the, the problems were uh, that... Uh, I, my course of earning a living, I was necessary that I to travel around the world to uh, third world countries for about 38 years, a month and a half each year to purchase handmade items and then bring them back to the United States. Mm-hmm. And in the process, I met many people of all, of all stages in the, of the economy and races. And I began to think, what is going on here? There's mm. a big problem. And uh, certainly there can be a solution to that problem. Uh, and uh, I, I went by myself, and so I had a lot of time to do some self-thinking. And I used to write down on scraps of paper this idea, that idea, and another idea. Until mm. a I realized suddenly I had the material for a book, and it was necessary that times change, or otherwise the world was in big trouble. I love that you did that. So I just want to say from my perspective, you and I have that in common, except I wish I was as worldly as you and that I traveled around to all these places. I pretty much wrote my ideas down on a bar stool in a bar, but they still work, Julian. I'm just saying. Yes, well... Uh, I have learned one thing, is that as people, everybody on the earth is identical. When that thing is born as an infant, no matter where it is born on the earth, it is the same as the human form being born on another part of the earth. 
Mm. What changes is the, is the local culture. But up to that point, they're dental. Mm. Mm. Um, Steve, thank you for joining me here today. I mean, you just heard what Julian said. I got the same question for you. Because, you know, from your perspective, your journey is a little bit different, right? Uh, yeah. But yet, it's also fueled with the same values. It's also fueled with the same energy. It's also fueled with, shall I say, a similar chutzpah. What have you had to overcome? What did you have to get beyond? What did you have to even do to be able to show up here with Julian? <laughs> well, you know, Dr. Pat, that's a great question. Um, basically, my dad's 98 years old. And, you know, it's, it's funny. We've, um, you know, when I graduated college, basically, uh, you know, I, I had an option of going into the family business or going out on my own. And I said, Dad, you know, here's the, he said, you're the only son. You know, basically, here's an opportunity. You can travel around the world, meet interesting people. So I, I looked at it as an opportunity. Um, you know, we did this. The world was changing. Um, you know, when I graduated in the 80s, that the fax machine was starting to play. Um, people were traveling abroad. What made our business so successful at that period of time was, you know, the air travel was very difficult. It wasn't like it was today. The hotels right. around the world were, were basically, I mean, you know, the, they weren't as luxurious as they are today. You know, living abroad, the communication, you, you, you could barely pick up a phone and call your loved ones. So people didn't do it. So the world was changing even back then. Um, and I had an opportunity to travel with my dad. And really, basically, my dad traveled around the world 40 times in 36 years. And he's right. When he said that he interacted with people of different cultures, different religions, different economic backgrounds, I mean, it was eye-opening. I traveled to India, you know, and India in the 80s was not basically as metropolitan as it is today. It was no, considered a lot of parts of the third world. And I came back to the States and told my friends what I saw you know, there were, there, were, there were cows running in through the dirt streets. I thought it was in the wild, wild west. I mean, it was just eye-opening and enlightening. Um, and a lot of places around the world are still like that today. And people just don't know. You know, it's unfortunate that they just, you know, they live in their own little shell. But, but you, you talk about some of the things that have brought me to this point. You know, that's one of them. I mean, another thing, let me, let me fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, we closed that business in the, in the late, let's say, uh, 80s. My father was 70. You know, most people at 70 years old are ready to retire. Um, you know, I was in my mid-20s. But my father came to my, my mother and myself and said, I'm not ready to retire. I'm, I'm 70. What am I going to do the rest of my life? This guy starts another business. We started a company called Global Messenger, which was a delivery service. Um, he worked another 25 years. And I learned a lot about the work ethic. I learned a lot about what's going on running a business. It was, just, it's, it was a fascinating journey with my dad. And yet he's writing these notes to get this book together. And I would go over his house for holidays, and, I'd, and he'd say, Steve, Steve, look what I did. I still wasn't really into it. And, I, <laughs> and, he, and he'd say to me, he'd say to me, look what I did. Look, look, look at this chapter. Look, look. And I'm like, that's nice, Dad. I'd humor him. You know, that's great. My mom, what's for dessert? It was Thanksgiving. You know? And, and basically, um, well, I mean, time went on. He was so enthusiastic. My feeling was, the guy's in his 90s. It's going to keep him out of trouble. Let him write it. You know, yeah. but then, then something happened to me. I, you know, mm. I was married at the time. I adopted a daughter from Russia. And my whole vision of the world was like, you know, where, where, what's my, my feeling change? As most people do as they get older. You know, what's the life going to be like? What's the world going to be like for her when she grows up? You know, I started thinking about my mortality. And, and a light bulb went off. So that was my journey. 
Wow. I love this because, you know, look, I, 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 I'm, I'm not with you right there, Julian. I'm not quite in that age group. But I am in the age group where people look at me and they say, wait a minute, girl, you had a great business career, you had a great executive career, you, you retired with a pension, uh, you have other tools around, what the heck are you doing? 15 years at Dr. Pat's show, one of the first positive talk radio shows out there, there were five of us at the time, all women, and now we have the largest positive talk radio network, and we're going to grow exponentially next year. My friends literally look at me and want to have me committed. But today's show is for everyone out there that has a dream, that wants to create a better world, to really step forward and do it. And for me, both of you represent this. Um, I want to jump to the book. And Benny, let's skip the first break if we could. You know, I want to talk about the ego because you talk about it in the book. And anytime I have an opportunity, Julian, to talk about the ego, I like to talk about the ego because I'll tell you, we got the elections going on here and there's enough of that for everybody. But let's talk about how our ego states help us get to where we want to go and the power of taking us to the next level of our lives. What was it within you, Julian, from this perspective, right, to take your life's journey and jump ahead and say, I am not going to sit here? Uh, One thing I have found in traveling and meeting hundreds of strange people all over the world was there are two types of personalities. There's the me, what's in it for me, what will I get out of it, and there's the we, what can we do for each other. And it's the battle between the two. Uh, Unfortunately, the me has the majority. But uh, if people stop to think about it, that if your associates and friends and, and people in other countries are happy, it makes a happy world for everybody. Nobody's figuring on when they're going to get in the next war and how they're going to force the next country to do this and do that and do the other. So I used it to find out that, that that's where the ego comes into it. Wow. How about you? How about you, Steve? Tell me about tell me about ego for you, because, you know, some people used to tell me in my lifetime, kind of growing up in, a, in an era where we thought we were going to change the world. I mean, I, you know, look, I'm one of these people that burned my bra in Atlantic City and I think 69 or something. Um, but I, I want to talk about it, too, from your perspective. And, you know, I think the ego has gotten a bad rap, certainly from reading your book. Do you believe, Steve, that we need a little bit of ego to boost us to get to the level that you guys are talking about in the book? You can save our world. Well, well Dr. Pat, that that's a good question, and I mean, there's no doubt that we do. But you know, it, it's I mean, we go through humans as as a whole, as a species, go through a lot of changes, and it's funny, you know, the evolution. I mean, when 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 we're younger, when we're maybe in our teens, and you know, we're, you know when we're in school, we're clicky, you know, and and yet. When we basically diversify a little bit, when we graduate high school and get into the world or go to college, we find that we need more people, you know, so our, our, our circle uh, expands a little bit, and we find that, that maybe we're humbled a little bit, you know, and as we get into our 30s and 40s, for the most part, you know, as, as we still, as we're just finding our way, 
you know, we're, we're, we're constantly changing. So, yes, I mean, it does, but, you know, um, yeah, you, ha- you have to be humble in order to do great things. Um, but you definitely need an ego also to get people behind you. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I, here, let's just go on to a couple things. What do we need to do, Julian? What do we need to say today to present the point that the world really does need saving and we are really the only show in town? It's, uh, I, I, in my belief, it's a matter of communicating, that being able to talk to other, each other, uh, how easy it is today to talk from one country to the opposite side of the world inexpensively and quickly and get ideas all, uh, between the two that we would never have dreamed that we all had the same problems and that we all uh, need help and that we're all not as good or as bad as we think we are. And when we get to know each other better, we have a much better feeling toward each other with mm. ego. Wow. Steve, how about you? You've come along, you've come along and you've been on this journey with Julian, right? Your relationship is very clear to all of us here, because I think when we team up with some someone that we either consider a soulmate, we either consider somebody that we're so aligned with, a kinship, and I could go through a whole lot of words about it. And, you know, I would love to know from your perspective, you know, the elements of this journey of communication and uh how do we convince people that the world needs saving? Yeah, that's a very good question because, you know, obviously a lot of people, you know, either it's biblical or politically um, uh, inclined to, to think differently. You know, it's uh, one thing the ego is like, you know, it's either my way or the highway. And, but yet for my dad and what I've really learned from him and from his travels, and he said it earlier, it's basically, you know, people are people when you get down to it. And when he crossed when he crossed over the oceans and, and basically traveled to, I guess, maybe over 30 different countries, um, you know, what he found, he'd sit down and break bread uh, with these people. And, you know, everyone had families, and they really wanted the best. When it comes down to it, everyone wants the best for the most part, you know, for their immediate family and their friends and relatives. So, you know, it, it all comes down to, to, to what I tell a lot of people is basically this is, this is not going to be easy. I mean, the world has changed so much. Since 1927, the population stood at 2 billion people. And today, at 2018, less than 100 years later, we're at 7.6 billion. I mean, you know, most people don't know what they're going to have for their next meal, let alone what the future's going to hold. So, you know, when you think of it like that, we just, you know, we have to move forward and we have to communicate. We really have to, have to look at the problems, look what we're doing to the planet, you know, look what we're doing to our neighbors. And realize that, that basically if we work together, there's a lot more to be gained. Because it's all about our children and future generations. So this yeah. book, and my dad's 98. I mean, he's, dude, this book isn't about us. You know, it's about our children. And, really, and you know, we have to come up with a plan. We really have to come up with every successful business has a plan. The world needs a plan. All right. And I do have a plan. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Plan. I want to know the plan. Let's get to the plan. Take it away, Julian. Right. What's the plan? the plan? The plan is that the world should be made one country. 
Now, when I say that, people say ridiculous, never happened, impossible. But what we did it with the United States. When we formed uh, the United States, it was a group of colonies. And the question was, should they form one country or should they be like the Balkans and have another uh, different countries right next to each other and competing with each other? And it's, uh, we took, fortunately took the right decision and made one country. My plan is that, that we eliminate war altogether in the world, that no country is allowed to have an, a military army. They can have a, a, milita- a, a police organization, but armies should be completely eliminated. And that money used for other things in society that we do, that is important, but we do not have the money to spend because the Army requires it. Now, it's funny, Dr. Pat, this is an idea, basically, that, that you know, a lot of historians, a, a lot of scientists, a lot of visionaries, this is something even, even Albert Einstein, after the Second World War, Albert Einstein, as we all know, took a part in the occasion of the atomic bomb. And what he saw, basically, after it exploded, was he saw the devastation that it did, and he knew he approached the United Nations with the idea that we need one world. The only way that, that civilization is going to succeed is if all the major countries work together. But unfortunately, you know, that the United Nations uh, agreed and thought it was a great idea, but no one came up with any ideas to make it possible. Yeah. So I want to talk about our pop culture for a minute, because here's what's happening. You know, there are many people that say, what we're now seeing rise up in our pop culture, and let me be clear about what I mean by pop culture. I, I mean, I certainly could be talking about Ariana Grande or Lady Gaga, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way our pop culture is portrayed in mass media, and I'm not talking about the news. Let's talk about Hollywood for a minute. About 10 years ago, if not longer, there started to be a wave. And the wave had to do with creative energies that were being fed into our directors and our producers and people creating big screen movies. And one of the themes that cuts across all of those, there there are two themes. One is the earth is going to end. You guys would agree, right? Either the earth is going to end or the earth ended and now I'm on a planet like I'm Avatar and I'm over there and I'm trying to mine that planet. So There's a theme that developed. The earth is going to end and we have a solution. The other theme that emerged and continues to emerge even to this day with the latest blockbusters is that we all unite together under the devastation of our very existence ending. I got to ask you both. Think about this. We'll talk about it when we come back. Do we really have to wait, not just for the brink of disaster, but for disaster for us to come together? Let's take a short break, and we're going to weigh in on some of the statistics that Julian highlights in the book. Also, we're going to talk about the Institute and what does it mean to pay attention to the signs of a changing environment? Why is it? Tornadoes are happening in places they never happened before. The storm systems that are hitting worldwide are more dangerous 
uh, than they've ever been before? And what about the level of unpredictability that now rests in humanity's everyday lives? Everything from, am I going to be safe if I go to work, go to synagogue, go to school? What do we need to do? Julian, Steve, have the answer. When we're going to come back, we'll tell you how you can get a copy of the book and much more. We'll be right back. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Have you lost a loved one and would desperately love a sign to prove that they are okay? Here's a tip for you. Be curious, keep an open mind about everything. The proof will come from the most unlikely places. The messages promise to challenge your current beliefs and what you've been taught. Accept and appreciate all, no matter where they come from. I'm Angie Corbett Kuiper. I would love for you to share your signs from beyond on my closed Facebook page, Beyond Grief. Are you ready to create a life you'll really love? Then you'll want to tune in to the hit show Life Design Radio from Adversity to Awesome with Susan DiLorenzo. Live each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. No matter where you are in your adversity story, Life Design Radio has got you covered. Get ready to feel inspired, enlightened, and motivated. For more information about working with Susan, visit SusanDiLorenzo.com. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. Have you heard the story of the snake and the rope? One evening, a young woman was walking down a country road. It was growing dark. Suddenly, she froze. Up ahead was a coiled snake. She was terrified. She reached into her bag for a flashlight and directed the beam of light towards the snake. Now she was flooded with relief. It was just a piece of old rope. That snake stands for all our imaginary fears and insecurities that sap our confidence. The beam of light is conscious confidence. Ask yourself, how many snakes did I see today? How many actions or words did I stifle through fear? Hi, I'm Sarah Main, creator of Conscious Confidence. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Pat, for Conscious Confidence Radio on transformationtalkradio.com. Learn more about how you can live a life filled with conscious confidence. Go to my website, consciousconfidence.com. I'm going to break out with my song from The Voice last night. Are you ready, Benny? Yeah, go for Operator. it. Operator. Remember that Jim Croce song? Oh, yeah. The that guy that, yeah. yeah, the guy that sang it, he's like, and we're going to talk about this because it is related to this. The guy says, yeah, I started playing it six months, uh, six years ago, and I had to find out from somebody, like, dude, what's an operator? Oh, wow. Yeah, we were just talking about that because here we are with Julian Hyman. You can save our world, Steve Hyman as well. And 
the question that I asked for both of you before the show, and we'll get to it, is do we even know the world needs saving? And we'll get to that. But before we do, how can we get a copy of the book? How can we find out more about uh, what's going on, what your initiative is? So would you both share that information with our listeners? Be happy to, Dr. Pat. Um, basically, you know, there's two things going on right now. The book can be purchased online by going to www. The letter U can save our world. The letter U, not the word U. Yeah. The letter U. Yeah, great. Go ahead. And also, um, we're doing something in honor, obviously, Joins 98. And in order to bring attention to these issues with the world, we're trying to get 100 likes, sorry, a million likes on his Facebook page. So basically, we're up and running. We we kicked it off on his 98th birthday, which was um, August the 1st. So that's, that would also, if um, your audience could join along and help us reach that goal, it would be amazing. Steve, can you repeat the website thing? Yes, yes please. Yes, it's www. the letter U can save our world spelled out dot com. Wow. So during the break, we were kind of chit-chatting. I was talking about the fact that I was talking to some, some women. I mentor women, and I mentor women of all ages, and... You know, there's a group of women that I was talking with, and I was talking about a couple of things back from, you know, my days growing up as, first of all, um, you know, the only woman in an all-male organization in the phone company. And I was talking about what that was like to be part of marching the streets. And one of the women kind of, you know, said, why would you, why did you march this? It was like, why did you do that? Like, why would anybody go burn their bra? I mean, what were you trying to do? And what I realized is so many of my Native friends tell their stories and bring it forward. They tell the stories of their ancestors. We're not doing a really good job of telling the story of the, the people and the issues that existed decades ago and really are up again today. But your book does. So I want to take a moment and hear from each of you. There's so much in your book that you talk about why change is needed, statistics, obstacles. Can we please go over a few? Can you please give us some insight into the world today and what the world could be? Julian, you want to kick that off? Yes. Uh, The book lists uh, approximately 27 major problems that the world is facing today, plus others unlisted. But it specifies 27, explains them, and explains the solution to them. I mean, uh, we uh, have population. uh, We have uh, 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 standards of living. uh, We have, uh, 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 it goes on and on and on. Uh, and there's no change uh, in it. Uh, now, the way uh, we are is we try to maintain a communication between the young people of the world, which they already are doing with the cyber uh, operations and the mm-hmm. uh, and the telephones, the smartphones that they communicate with each other or an ideal communication to get to know people in other countries. And we, we suggest that OIE 
clubs be formed that communicate yeah. with each country, and they learn what each other's problems are. And the first thing you'll hear is, I didn't know they did this, and I didn't know they did that. And to get a mutual feeling that we are responsible with and for each other. Yeah. I love that idea. I mean, so often we hear about the power of street teams and how to bring local communities together. And so what you what you are talking about is my friend who does a radio show called Grassroots Advocate. Uh, we're talking about engaging people, engaging people, educating people, informing people. Steve, what about you? Well, you know, the, the book basically talks about, like as Julian said, I mean, many issues that, that we're facing in the world right now, and people look at the solutions and they're like, well, you know, I mean, and again, Dr. Pat, the ego, it's like, well, the, the language, well, you know, English should be the primary language, or, or basically uh, Mandarin, I mean, you know, so it, it's what even the book proposes is that, that there basically be two languages. Um, everyone be bilingual. Everyone speak their native tongue. That's uh, basically the primary language from the area that they live, because Julian proposes in the book that you know no one should ever give up their heritage. You know that I mean that's special. That you know, there's something to be said for that. Just like the book isn't about religion. It's not. You know everyone should be able to practice the religion that they want to. So um, you know it, it's it's a very interesting uh, um, autonomy of of, of of ideas and uh, solutions. Mm. Well, some people some people have come to me and says, "Why don't you use the United Nations?" to take to that together. Well, unfortunately, the United Nations will never adopt the jointness uh, that we are requiring because each country wants what's in it for us, what's in it for us, what's in it for us. And it's not what's in it for each country, but what is in it for mankind. Right, and in order for this to happen, it's going to happen at a grassroots level. It's basically, you know, it's, I mean, there are a lot of, look, we all in our own lives. We all have our own interests. We all have our own um, basic charities that we give to, and that's great. You know, um, I mean, you know, we, we, we might not have the resources that Bill and Melinda Gates have, and, you know, and, and they're doing wonderful things for polio, but we all, you know, do things that are near and dear to our heart. But in this particular project, it's, you know, everyone needs to understand that basically, you know, we're not asking for a lot. We're just asking people to slow down and understand the problem that are facing their children. And because and, and, that's, the, that's the, the true value. That is really what, what we all need to focus on. You know, it, it's what can we all do today that's going to be to benefit our children and future generations. And, and, and the, really, the result is, I mean, in 200 years, none of us are going to be here anymore. So yeah. we need to think about, I mean, you know, basically what we can do to get our children and future generations over the hump. You know, and everyone says, leave it to the next generation. Oh, you know, it's their problem. Well, it's not. It's our problem to help them fix it. And we can. The solutions are right there. We just have to basically say, you know what? Let's just talk and, and, and understand that there are problems. It's like an alcoholic. You can't fix something until you realize that there's a problem. Right. Well, I think part of this is you're right. And I'm what I'm finding is that there are some countries, and uh, I had the opportunity to meet with the Minister of Agriculture in Thai, from Thailand. And I met with him a number of years ago uh, because I was so interested 
and what Thailand was doing in it from an agriculture point of view. And I remember meeting this this gentleman and, and we were talking and he handed me a jar. And so in Thailand, right, when they cook Thai food, they blend so many different spices, right, in a simple, in what we see as a simple sauce, but not so simple. And he handed me this jar and he said, Thailand is moving towards a future of not just enabling organic farming, but cultivating an entire industry of organic farming from beginning to end. And he handed me this jar, and in the jar was one of, uh, one of the many Thai sauces you can get that they're producing. He went on to tell me that the, the jar included, I think it was something like 56 or 57 different other ingredients. And he went on to say every single one of them is certified organic. And he said, we have to build an entire country and culture on understanding the importance of this. And so it, isn't it fascinating that that's one country, they have an initiative, they found the importance in it, and it's a significant importance that sets them apart. Are we the leaders here in the United States to take this initiative and set ourselves the part in starting from a place of leadership? And how do we get the leaders around the world to join us? I'd like to, any, who wants to answer that? Julian, Steve? Well, actually, Dr. Pat, I'll, I'll start actually on this one. You know, I mean, okay. I certainly, I mean, we, we do. We, we have the capability to do it. Um, and there are a lot of great people out there. You know, there are a lot of people that, uh, that can do this, and, you know, but they need to step forward. Um, I mean, you know, by rights, the United States is thought of around the world as, you know, as this, this, this a marvelous country, and we are. Um, not to say, though, that we might not be stepping back a little bit. I mean, a lot of countries are, around the world have wonderful, wonderful concepts, wonderful ideas, you know, and, and what Julian's book also proposes is that we take these ideas from all these other countries and we blend them together because, like, you look at, at what Israel is doing, basically, you know, mm. with their military. And, you know, I mean, after high school, um, everyone has to give at least two years of service. And yeah. the discipline that, that it instills in the, in the children, you know, it, it's marvelous. You look at what, what China's doing with solar energy. They're the leaders in 25% of, of the electricity is generated from solar power. I mean, there are many countries out there, but marvelous ideas. And we, we should be able to, you know, to take these ideas and implement them ourselves in the United States and other countries around the world. Uh, we should work together. Another thing, there's another thing we haven't talked about is the growth of technology. Uh, mm. uh, in my 100 years of life, I've seen a tremendous improvement of technology on practically almost everything you touch and live with. And the new technology that I can now predict is robots. Uh, we're making cars automatic robots. Now we're going to make humans automatic robots. Whether we like it, the idea or not, it's definitely in the cars it's going to happen. And the human robots will replace the the human the robots will replace the humans in many functions that they can't do. 
robots have a have a knowledge of the world at their fingertips. They can be the smartest thing on earth. I love that we're talking about this because, you know, look, um, half the side of my family is from the South. The other half is from Italy and uh, Brazil. And my dad remarried. And so I got an introduction into the Deep South. And one of the things that I got an introduction into at a very young age was what does it mean to work in a factory? So can you imagine me? I'm in Philip Morris. I'm in the factory. I'm doing some kind of summer thing. I don't think I was supposed to be there at the age that I was at. But there I was, picking cigarettes off a conveyor belt, one at a time. Fast forward to where we are today. And you're right. Robots will replace human beings. But... Human innovation and creativity can never replace the genius, the creative genius that we have as humans. I just want to know from each of you, as you state so brilliantly in your book, how do we go ahead and change the concept? How do we change the concept for the world? Well, we have to change the concept beginning with education. Uh, we've got to upgrade education. Take that money from, from war and the military and put it into education and upgrade the level of education for all uh, generations. And in that process of education, they will be the, we could be the masters of the robots. I mean, we've, we build them. We rent them, we sell them, we, we advertise them, we repair them. Uh, uh, it's going to open up whole new industries. Mm. Steve, you know, how about you? Be, yeah, I think we all can agree, basically, that, I mean, education is paramount. I mean, life, life is a journey, and on our voyage, basically, you know, we grow through experience. Um, so I think what we need to do is basically is... is, is the children, obviously, we all know the children of the future, but we need to make sure that they're on the right path. We need to, to expose them to as much as possible. You know, and, and Dr. Matt, you said it yourself. You know, I mean, you, you were exposed at an early age, your work ethic, you're probably someplace that you shouldn't have been, but, you know, that experience alone was, was probably tremendous, you know, in your development. Um, and, and every, I mean, child, whether they live in the city, whether they live in the country, you know, whether they, I mean, they live around the world and in other countries. Yeah, it's we we all have these these preconceived ideas about what life is about, you know, and and it's a fallacy. It's a major fallacy. Until we can basically interact or or experience life, you know, we really have no idea. We're we're all a product of our environment, You're good, bad, or indifferent. Until we break out of that shell, so I think basically, you know, in order to really for this to work, you know, we have to we have to be open minded, and we have to we have to want it. You know, it, it's, uh, I'm talking to people about the book, and a lot of people are like, oh, that'll never happen. Like, well, why won't it happen? Oh, it just won't. I'm like, well, what do you mean? What kind of answer is that? It just won't. I mean, because if it doesn't happen, you know, then we're doomed. Yeah, I agree. Um, what do you say to people that say, we're hearing this right now. This is one of my little pet peeves, right? Are we willing... And some people think that this is a trade-off. I've lived in a time where it doesn't have to be. 
I'm not willing to make these kind of changes if it's going to hit my stock prices. And, you know, I look at that and I thought for a minute, wow, we actually believe we control our stock prices. We actually think that um, our stock prices are based on trading off the environment or trading off uh, human dignity and respect. And I think that has got to be a tipping point for a new paradigm in conversations that we really can have it all. We just need to open up the door for that. What do you each think? Well, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and that's, it's whether it's the ego or basically, or let the other person do it, but I'm not going to sacrifice. I mean, you know, it, it's in today's world, in order to do things, the good for, for mankind, people are going to have to sacrifice. It's, it's getting to that point. I mean, it's, you know, and I mean, with, even with the environment, you know, it's, whether it's lobbyists in Washington or, or the, uh, you know, basically the, the major gas companies are saying, wait, you know, we're not going to let this happen because of, of money and, and, and greed in the short term. So, you know, look, like you said, today's election day. You know, I'm basically proponent. I tell my friends, I said, you know, you have no reason to complain about whether you like the, the government or we don't like the government unless you take part in the process. So it all starts there. It's getting out, basically, and taking and getting involved in the process. And we can make a change. But yeah. sacrifice is definitely going to be a part of it. Yeah. You know, it, 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 uh, um, what I love about this is somewhere along the way, I remember one of the years not voting. I remember that. And I was really young. I think it was my second eligible vote thing. And I remember not doing it. Then I remembered, oh, my gosh, what happened? And I thought about for myself, why didn't I vote? Why didn't I engage? Why didn't I participate? And I think what we're talking about here is when fear and anger motivates us to not engage, we somehow have built an illusion that it's going to hurt the others. But in the end, aren't we really looking at engaging for ourselves and our generations? Absolutely. You know, it, it's very interesting that you bring that point up because the book has a chapter on on how can you force people to vote because the, that's the background of everything that happens. Uh, it, we, if you're not involved in it, you don't care. But if you have to be involved in it, then you want to know what you're doing with it. And uh, there's a, as I said, there's a whole chapter on that very point. Mm. What has gone on so far? Some countries in the world do do penalize the uh, people for not voting. There's not many of them, but they exist. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know about uh, uh, Oregon, or Oregon, which is like right next to Washington State, where the show's out of. Uh, but they're like, okay, we don't worry about hackers. We went paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Hanging chat. I, I don't. I think they. I bet he may know, but I think they kind of even got past the chat thing. I'm not sure what they did. They did. They um, did in I, Maryland. Yeah. They did. <laughs> okay. I want to get to. Uh, a couple of things in the book, but before we do, 
I want to thank you both for taking this message out in the world. I want to thank you so much. Um, I also want to please mention the website again and how people can get a copy of the book and how they can get engaged. Absolutely, Dr. Pat. It's, uh, the website is www.thelettereu.cansaveourworldspelledout.com. So it's www.thelettereu, not Y-O-U, it's just the letter U, cansaveourworldspelledout.com. So I want to jump to the back of the book where you put a summation. And we've talked about many of these, but there is one we did not talk about. And it certainly is one that has been all throughout the headlines. I'm on the East Coast visiting right now. And I, I don't know about, you know, the West Coast and Seattle, but our, our ads back there are way kinder than what I'm seeing on, on TV now. I also know that some of the issues here especially in the state of New Jersey and New York, are seriously important, especially for those states here, like Jersey, that has a very big state tax that they're no longer going to be able to deduct. But the question is this one. It's on number six in the summation, prejudice. Racial and religious bigotry is widespread over the globe. If, you'd have, if I'd have picked up your book, uh, two years ago or two and a half years ago, and I'd have read that, I would have been probably wanting to argue with you, but I don't today. Can you each talk about your perspective on this, what you're seeing, and what needs to change? Well, Dr. Matt, let me start, too. You know, and it is a, it's a major problem. It, you know, and, and, I mean, you know, when people basically cannot separate you know, themselves from just because the differences, whether it's religion or whether someone dresses or the color of skin. I mean, you talk about what's going on in the schools with the mass shootings. And some people will say, basically, um, you know, they, they need police. They need more armed guards. Well, they, they really don't. They really basically need more, uh, you know, the guidance counselors to, to, to bring people together, you know, to, to, to say, look, you know, because somebody dresses differently or eats differently, you, you shouldn't condone. I mean, condemn them. You should not. You know, you should reach out and, and basically extend an, an olive branch and say, "Hey, wow, you know, you 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 eat too. You know, you, you're studious. Yeah. You're just because you don't like sports or just because basically you're you're not intellectual doesn't mean you're a bad person." I, I think we need to get past this, and I think you know. At one point, you're right. At one point, I thought, well, you know, we're in 2018, and we're way past that. But <laughs> as the world's starting to get smaller, you would think we would be. But it, it, as it turns out, things are, 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 everyone has the mentality that, you know, they want instantaneous gratification, and they're just, they're forgetting. It seems like we're almost worse off. It seems like they're, they're basically getting themselves more wound up in their social circles and their cliques than they really mm -hmm. need to be, because... The Internet allows it. They don't have to step mm -hmm. out. So um, th that's my opinion. That's my perspective. Julian, what mm -hmm. do you think? My, uh, my point of, of thinking is this, that what prejudices exist is mostly, mostly based on poor uh, information. We are not familiar with each other. When I when I went out in the world and I went into to prejudice, and when they got to know me, they said, "Why aren't all your people like you? You're a nice guy." And uh, and uh, that's the whole thing. They 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 
people get to know, really get to know people as people, as people who have families and the people are working hard to give the families a good life and all. We all are the same. We're all alike. And there's no reason when you get to know each other to, to have any kind of prejudice at all. We all, yeah. all of us are good and all of us are bad. There's nobody without good or bad and bad. Oh, I love that message. Wow. Thank you so much, Julian. Thank you. Steve, what do you think? And, and please give the website. This hour went so quickly. Thank you both. Absolutely, Dr. Pat. Thank, thank you for allowing us to be on. Right, right, oh. right. I, I think basically, look, you know, the book itself, it's just, it, it, it's not, it's full of talking points. I mean, it's no way to be the end-all, be-all. It's basically, you know, it, it's for people to read and, and, and to talk about and to debate and say, you know what, there's validity in a lot of these ideas. There's some basically are so off base, but that's fine. You know, we just need to start the conversation. You know, we just need somebody out there. Um, with maybe more means, I was enjoying it myself. Say, you know what? This can be done. This can be done, and I'm going to be the one to step up to do it. And that's 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 basically where we are. Um, if someone's interested in learning more uh, and or buying a copy of the book, they should please go to the website www.letterucansaveourworld. All the words spelled out. dot com. Thank you, uh, Julian. One last question. What's a personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Big pardon, I didn't, I didn't get. Could you repeat it? Sure. I just want to know your personal message. What would you like to leave everybody with today? Well, the personal message is: that have open minds. Do not form your opinions until you have full knowledge. Hmm. Hmm. I love it. For you out there, those of you, uh, Julian Hyman, Steve. You Can Save Our World is the book. And as we have been saying for 15 years on the show, not only do we know we can save our world, but we can talk to a whole lot of people and get them engaged in creating a better world. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.